Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Keeping Score. Uh, as you can tell, this is not Rick Horro, but rather Amy Tenery, digital editor here at Reuters. Um, I'm here today with reporter Hillary Russ, who has been on the front line of a very exciting story, and that is sports gambling legalization. And um, this month, she was actually in New Jersey for the first legal bet that was uh, was placed for uh, sports. Can you tell me about the atmosphere? Hi. Um Sure, the atmosphere was electric. Uh, New Jerseyans have been waiting for years and years. They've been battling it out in court, um, trying to get legal sports betting there. And so, you know, hundreds of people showed up to place bets on their favorite teams on the first day. Uh, the governor is the one who actually um, placed the first bet, Governor Phil Murphy. And he, you know, they kept the speeches short. They went right to the betting counter, and the throng sort of rushed after him. Uh, later in the day, there was a separate sports bar area where people could bet and drink and have burgers. Um, they got pretty rowdy in there as the day went on. So it was very exciting. It was kind of a party-like atmosphere. <laughs> Well, we were there. We spoke to players who were you know, trying to talk to them about why they were placing bets, why they were so excited. Uh, my favorite was a British guy who just was so excited to be able to finally place a legal sports bet that he had problems sleeping the night before. Um, and we got him on tape talking about why he was so happy to be there. I've been waiting for this for years. Since it's been in, in the makings for it. And yeah, we're so excited about this. And eventually it's here. And uh, I had a sleepless night tonight. Last night, I couldn't sleep with the excitement of coming down today. And, and clearly, as you were saying, you know, the governor placed the first bet. Now, other, other officials in New Jersey were actually pretty excited about this as well. That's right. Uh, former Senator Ray Lesniak is, was really fundamental for pushing this legislation uh, several times through the state legislature so that the state could push it forward. Uh, and that's what the um, professional sports leagues ended up challenging in court. Um, so he was obviously there as a huge promoter, as someone who was really pivotal in making this happen. So first of all, this started when a friend of mine was arrested for, for placing a bet uh, w with a bookie on sports. And it was just very annoying. Charges were dropped. However, he was embarrassed for doing the, exactly the same thing that he could have done legally in Las Vegas. And then I saw what a great benefit this would be for the state of New Jersey to have the tourism and the economic benefit from people uh, enjoying sports betting. I got my bet in for the New York Giants to win the Super Bowl, and since I've won a Human Rights Award in France, for France to win the World Cup. Great, so now uh, clearly, as we've heard, you know, the state officials, the former state officials are, are quite excited about this, but um, Hillary, how much money is this actually supposed to generate for the states and for the state governments? Is it going to be this blockbuster um, tax revenue that, that some officials are hoping for? Um, well, Amy, that's a great question. It, part of that equation still remains to be seen, and it's going to probably vary from state to state depending on how they regulate it, how they tax it, what tax rates they choose to put on it. 
Um, some analysts are saying that it's not really going to generate this huge windfall like like the states might hope, right? And so, um, you know, for example, in Rhode Island, um, they just yesterday pushed forward some legislation that would impose a 51% tax on uh, net gaming revenue, which would be the highest in the country, and that's a ton of money, right, for the state of, for little Rhode Island. Right. Um, other states might have lower tax rates. Um, in the city of Las Vegas, where uh, this has actually been legal the whole time because it was grandfathered into the 1992 law that was overturned by the Supreme Court, sports betting revenue doesn't really make up a huge percentage of uh, the city or state's revenue. Um, so it's not, it's nice, it's going to be nice to have for a state to ever have some more money coming in for any reason, um, but it, it might not be the huge windfall that some states hope it could be. Right. And so, but what about also uh, bookmakers? Is that going to be a burgeoning business and a potential revenue maker for them? Sure. Uh, right. Well, so obviously it's not just the states who stand to make money. It could be um, potentially some of the teams themselves with sponsorship opportunities. But clearly the bookmakers uh, are looking to get a piece of this. It's, again, kind of unclear exactly how much they, they might make. Uh, there's been a, a widely cited estimate saying that the market overall in the U.S. could be about $17 billion. Uh, that would only be a portion of the roughly $150 billion annually that Americans already bet on sports illegally. Um, so, you know, for William Hill, for, for in particular, their UK-based company, um, they took a huge gamble on sports betting becoming legal in the United States years ago. In 2013, they made an initial investment in Monmouth Park Racetrack, again, before it was even legal here. So it's a really important market for them. Um, they feel it's potentially going to be a big boost to, to the company. And you actually spoke to the CEO when uh, you were at Monmouth Park. I, I did. I talked to him, and he explained a little bit about um, why this is such a big day for them as well. Uh, a lot of people, I think, are looking nationally at, at what's happening here today. Uh, and you know, it's the start of, uh, it's, the, it's really almost the end of the beginning, if you think about it that way. And, and the years of work that went into making today possible, so many people, starting with Dennis Drazen, who, who really was driving the effort uh, in New Jersey, along with so many others, Governor Christie and Senator Lesniak, and you know, all these folks who worked really hard for a long time uh, to make today possible. And, and clearly, um, you know, this is the beginning here in New Jersey, and other states have already legalized sports betting, and will be getting uh, ramped up fairly soon. Mississippi and West Virginia and other states are studying the issue, so it's a, it's a big day. Just walking in here and seeing you know, all of our new employees who are uh, who've been training here, uh, getting ready uh, for today is very rewarding and clearly one of the benefits of the effort to, uh, to bring sports betting uh, to New Jersey. I think the U.S. Uh, sports betting market is going to be the biggest legal sports betting market in the world, just based on population and, uh, and income. Uh, here in the U.S., um, I think it's going to be a big, uh, a big market, and so clearly it's going to be uh, an important market for us and for a number of other people. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, um, illegal sports betting, casual betting among friends in office pools, certainly never at Reuters, never. Um, has been happening for years. But um, in your reporting, you found that a lot of sports leagues are actually openly hostile to the idea of of legalizing this, and you spoke with a former prosecutor who's now in charge of, of investigations at Major League Baseball. And what were his sort of concerns here? Right. So that was Brian Seeley um, from Major League Baseball. Um, it, I mean, the leagues were not only open, openly hostile this whole, whole time, but they were the ones who were fighting 
against the state of New Jersey uh, in court and who took it to the Supreme Court. And at a certain point, I think the writing was on the wall and they had to realize that they, they just weren't going to win this one and they had to kind of get on board. Um, but they are still very concerned about the potential for game fixing, for corruption. Uh, they are lobbying state legislatures to try to get tools included in the legislation uh, that they say they need to help them fight this kind of corruption. Um, a lot of what they've focused on has been data sharing. Um, they want to be able to get real-time game data so they can try and see if there's a spike that might point to some suspicious betting behavior. Um, the companies are really not interested in sharing that data, I don't <laughs> think. Uh, and, and in New Jersey, for sort of obvious reasons, there are laws lawmakers are pretty hostile towards any of the league's requests. Um, in particular, they've asked for money. Um, called Usually it's called an integrity fee, so it's uh, sort of a small percentage of the take um, that they say they could use to increase staffing and increase the, the resources that they're going to need to be able to fight back against all this increased um, potential for, for game fixing and for corruption and cheating. So it sounds like these leagues are going to have to figure out not only how to regulate it, but also, as you were saying, staff it and have a whole infrastructure in their organization to handle this. What are some of the other downsides that um, states or, or leagues might be facing as a result of this? Right. I, well, I mean, there's always broader concern about um, sort of some of the negatives that any kind of gambling might bring to an area, whether it's gambling addiction is still a huge concern. And some of the things that go along with that, you know, possible alcoholism and drug abuse, potentially violence. Um, you know, the, the casinos, for example, have a pretty tight security and a lot of bouncers are sports betting parlors going to have that if they're separate or if they're at a racetrack. Um, you know, how rowdy is a crowd possibly going to get? Is it going to bring uh, sort of negative element um, to the nearby communities. I think you see some areas trying to deal with that with um, a, a very small slice of the revenues going to the town where the sports betting facilities will be housed mm -hmm. is one way to try to get around that. But it is a concern, and it's something you've seen other more mature global markets try to address in different ways as well. All right. So we now have New Jersey that has, um, you know, officially has legal sports betting. Is this like an opening of the floodgate situation or is this going to be a very slow trickle of states that are going to be legalizing right. this? Right. A, a great question. Um, uh, most things that states do are at a slow trickle kind of pace. Um, so it really depends. It, do, it there is There might be a perception that it's going to open the floodgates and suddenly it will be legal everywhere. And that's just not the case. I mean, there are a handful of states um, Mississippi, Connecticut, New York, um, a few others where uh, West Virginia, where this is our, they're kind of ahead of the game and they want to try to get this rolled out pretty quickly. And then there are other states that may be interested and just haven't really, in, you know, introduced any bills. And then there are some that might not do it at all uh, that are resistant for some of the reasons we just discussed. South Carolina is one of those states uh, where they kind of want to do it, but they're very concerned about lifestyle, about the negative impacts of of widespread sports betting. So uh, clearly there's a range of unanswered questions um, that we have yet to figure out beyond uh, which states are going to be pursuing this next. What's still kind of up in the air for, in, in your opinion? Uh, almost everything is still up in the air. I would say I think we're not really going to know how much money states are actually going to make until this has been going on for a few years, or even which states will end up uh, legalizing it and regulating it. Uh, we're not going to know the shape of that regulation, how, you know, how many of the tools the leagues say they need they're going to actually get, if they're going to get money in all states or just a couple states. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to take William Hill to break even in New Jersey. For instance, it could take two years, it could take five years. 
in terms of when they're actually going to be making money on this proposition. Um, so there are a lot of unanswered questions remaining. Yeah, and certainly whether or not integrity fees are going to be a big deterrent for gamblers even who are saying, well, why would I pay an integrity fee when I can head over to my buddy's apartment and just kind of casually uh, exchange money over over a game? So, um, yeah, there's, a, there's definitely, it sounds like, a lot up in the air, and this is certainly a developing story and one that Hillary Russ will be all over in the coming weeks, months, and possibly years. So, Hillary, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Our producer, Alex Cohen, associate producer, Freddie Joyner, assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, and Jamie Swimmer, and the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.